0: Welcome to the Channel for Grace Uncut podcast. This is a deep dive into my life, my stories, my experiences, the things that I love to talk about, the things that inspire me, and my thoughts and observations about the world. This is a podcast where you'll mostly find me sharing myself uncensored, but where you will also meet amazing guests and hear about topics that will inspire you to keep learning. To keep searching for your truth and to guide you to be unapologetically you hello everyone and welcome back i am so excited today to be um, talking to my friend Maddie, who we have recently met each other. We actually haven't even met in person yet, but we've met on Zoom and had a few phone calls. Um, and we're going to talk about something that's quite uh, personal to us, and um, something that came up when um, Maddie, you were listening to one of my episodes, right? Why don't you Why don't you introduce yourself or tell everybody a little bit about who you are and Um, And then we'll, we'll kind of jump into the whole topic of today's uh, podcast.
1: Sure. So um, my name is Maddie and I guess for purposes of this, um, you know, my background is sort of, I'm trying to think how, how to even broach this topic. Um, You know, I was, I was listening to, to your podcast and there are some things that really stood out to me um, because of what struck me as shared experiences. And, I, and I've noticed that a lot as I've sort of been on my own healing journey from, um, you know, a lot of, frankly, childhood abuse, which is not a term that I was super comfortable with using <laughs> for a very long time until I had to sort of call it what it is. But, um, you know, there are some things that, that I've realized as I, I talk to people um, who have been through a similar experience that, that we tend to I don't know if it's portraying them in a certain way or there's just something that comes across in the description that says a lot more than what you're actually saying. And, and to me, when you were speaking, I, I sort of got a picture of what you, a little bit of what you went through. Obviously, I don't know every detail, but but the things that you described were similar to experience that I've had or, um, you know, feelings that I had in, in recovery, sort of healing from a lot of the things and, and they're just along similar themes. And I think we're going to get into sort of why that is and why the the experiences are so similar, but, um, I, I just, I felt really drawn to reach out to you and, and, you know, separate and apart from this, I think I've been on my own healing journey where I've been trying to sort of listen to my own intuition a little bit more and, and really act on when I get the urge to, um, do something like, for instance, reach out to you. And I think that was one of those moments where I was like. Something is just telling me I, I should contact you for some reason, and it doesn't really make sense to me. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it and not overthink this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's sort of where when then we got into talking and realized that we did have <laughs> we have a lot, a lot, lot in scenarios. common. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's we
0: have like we have like childhood childhood trauma, <laughs> similar trauma. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun it's a fun, uh, it's a fun um, group. <laughs> Yeah. So we, once we started talking, we realized, you know, we have a lot in common in terms of how we grew up and what we dealt with growing up. And we uh, decided to have a conversation about it on the podcast because I, if we're connecting and we don't even know each other and you like heard my podcast and you were like drawn to connect with me because you felt that our experiences were like a shared experience in a way there's got to be so many more people out there that can get so much from just hearing a conversation like this from just hearing what I would call is two women who have sort of come out of, or two beings that have come out of any kind of abuse or tr- traumatic experiences and are, have are now at a point where they've realized what it is. They've discovered it. They've accepted it. They've started doing the healing work and they're on that journey. And to hear that when you're at whatever stage of the journey you're at because we're all really healing trauma honestly in this (laughs) life but wherever you're at and you listen to something it can be it can give you um it can make you feel better like okay I'm not alone and that's something that's really important to me to kind of give to the world and and why I did create this podcast is so that I can share my personal experiences as, as vulnerable as that is um so that people can Can feel like they are also like not like I said not alone but then also in a place where they can uh, feel uh, connected to a community of people that are doing the work and actually healing instead of just continuing to live in situations that don't make sense where they get hurt or emotionally hurt and they just don't know how to make those boundaries with with that so yeah well and that
1: actually reminds me of another reason I think that that struck me when I was listening to you and and decided to reach out was that you you seemed to be on that that train of you know wanting to um not only wanting to heal from it which is I think a, a a position of strength rather than you know falling victim to something which is not something I personally ever like I I never wanted to accept that either I was a victim or that you know any of the statistics that you hear about when, you know, it comes to uh, a childhood trauma and any kind of trauma and sort of the, the long-term health effects and mental effects and all that stuff. I didn't want to accept that that was, that was something that I had to experience down the line. Mm -hmm. Um, But also too, I think some sort of shared sense of wanting to make it a little easier for um, someone else who might be going through it and realizing Mm -hmm. that, you know, when you sort of feel alone in this journey, it can be really, really difficult and this yes. particular type of the abuse I think that we we're about to talk about um is one where it, it can not only be hard to identify sometimes mm-hmm. but but also you do feel very isolated and and you don't really know where to turn because there's this sort of just emptiness that you feel um and you know I think when I was figuring out what it was and and you were like there just weren't, you know, the resources and people around that I think would have been really helpful. And I realize I think we know the ways that we would have really, it would have been beneficial to us if we had learned about things earlier or known about things or just had a different way of, of conceptualizing what was going on and in a right, more, yeah. you know, healthy way. And, and one that was maybe less self-critical in some ways and less mm. um, you know I, think, I mean but that's that's a that's real that's part of real what happens with, with this <laughs> right and then they do like
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, I was going to say so what, let's, yeah let's tell okay so so i mean you guys have read the title but basically we're going to we're going to share our experiences of um, uh, growing up in a narcissistic um, with narcissistic abuse or being the victims of narcissistic abuse as children that was inflicted on by one of our parents and uh, how that affected us throughout our entire lives and how it still continues to affect us and will probably continue to affect us and how it is something that we have had to really look deep at and 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 figure out intricate the intricate details of it because it is such a it's like a hidden thing that you don't really know it's there and you, you start to doubt yourself a lot and doubt right. what and your that's thoughts are and part of the, game that the, it's part of the thing right yeah. so that's what we're going to share with you guys today but before we actually get into sharing our stories let's um, talk about what is a narcissist, like in your own words. What w- what would you say is what describes a narcissist? Oh, and before we do that, too, I did want to say that we're here to share our experiences, and we're not experts or anything like that. Um, but we do feel like there is value in sharing our experiences. So we're not coming at you with like, okay, this is how it is. You know, this is right. how this is what you do, but this is how we deal with it, and this is how we have sort of come to terms with it, and how we interpret it. And so that's what we're here. To to do is just share a little bit of our story. So, yeah. what would you think, in your words, uh, what in your words is a narcissist?
1: So, a narcissistic personality disorder. Because I think well, that's an important is. distinction, right, to make. Because you know we hear this term narcissism thrown around in society, especially with all the social media um, in this generation and you know and it, and it's important to point out that that everybody can have sort of some of the traits that are right, indicative yeah. of the the greater personality especially disorder.
0: if you were if you had if you dealt with a narcissistic parent you tend to take on a lot of those 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 uh roles or those um behaviors until you realize oh that's not me
1: Right, and and also, I mean, so can the spouse. I mean, sometimes right. he who who is the primary victim in a lot of this, um, you know, who can be enabled. Well, we'll get into to more of the mm-hmm. details, but I think, um, you know, it's a it's a person where the world revolves around them. Everything revolves around them, and when it doesn't, you know, they they put on a show and 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 you know have to draw the attention back to them and. Um, you know, I think they they will live vicariously through their children um, in a way that is, you know, <laughs> and I know you're you're reacting to that, and I and I think um, they will try not to laugh, com- but they'll they'll be very competitive with their children too. And I think that was that was predominantly what I like. thinking, talking about some of the differences that maybe our particular narcissistic parent took on. Um, you know, mine was more the competitive jealous type who is really verbally abusive. Um, and in a way that, that it's, it's just constantly belittling other people because mm-hmm. the, the truth of it is that they're so deeply insecure and, and it really is, right? you know, and it, it's, it's hard when you're in the position of being the one who's really abused by them to, to have empathy for them, but they, they sort of demand it. They make people need to feel sorry for them all the time. They have to, they're the biggest victim. Um, then that goes across the board, whether it's, you know, they had a bad day or someone cut them off in traffic. It's the end of the world. If someone is sick and this, this is what happened in my house where if anyone was sick in the entire house, like my dad was sick way like someone could cough across the room and he would have a tickle in his throat and he needed my mom to like check his temperature type thing. Um, and you know, nobody can take the center of attention away from them. And, you know, for me too, like I, I went to law school. I'm a lawyer, every step of the way, it was like a competition to my father instead of it, it being something where you know you're so you're, you're proud, proud of, of your, your own children, children yeah um which is a distinction in living vicariously like they vicarious parents i think take on you know if if their child loses like it's it's a it reflects poorly on them and, and right they want their theirs. kids.
0: I had a lot of that in my in my life, yeah, it was like there was a lot projected onto the children and like you're supposed to behave a certain way and, and this is how you're supposed to succeed in life otherwise you are a failure
1: yeah yeah and and whereas in competition and and like and I think there there was definitely sort of some of that too like you were either um, the, the competition aspect so I used to be told <laughs> the more educated you get the more ignorant you sound this was an actual Whoa. quote from her, and you would say it a lot um, you know, and, and they don't want your opinion. If your opinion in any way contradicts theirs, it's, it's, it's not just, they disagree with you. It is, it, it goes to the core of their being, like it is somehow an attack on them personally. And they talk, you know, um, in the books, they talk about, uh, a narcissistic wound, I think is the term, maybe something different, but, um, that, you know, if you insult them, they have to hit you back. And it's, it's a hit you back disproportionately worse and very personally and to deliberately hurt you when it could be something, you know, you don't even realize is a slight type thing.
0: There's Um, a really great video that you just reminded me of. It's a teal swan video. It's called like the victim control dynamic or something like that. Um, She really describes what goes on uh, when you are the, you are the actual victim of the, the narcissistic <laughs> that abuse is an important and, yeah. and and how the narcissist will pretend like they're the victim and you hurt oh, yeah. them
1: yeah, and, I, yeah. Oh, and they're so good at, at bringing in the other parent because what would happen in you know my dynamic is a lot of times um my dad would invent something I did some slight and, and a lot of time he, it was just constant demanding of attention and a lot of times you as a kid don't understand why you don't feel love from the parent, but I, I didn't, I did not truly believe that my dad actually loved, I didn't believe he loved himself or anyone. He just, he, you know, and, and he had had, he had grown up in an abusive household. And I think that's something to be pointed out that, that, you know, hurt people hurt people. So there is that aspect, but I think, you know, you well, yeah, I, I say, was gonna like, that's not an excuse. <laughs> no, it's not. No,
0: that's the thing. Um, we did talk about this in our conversation on the phone that, that, it the reason you don't get to this place from like nowhere you don't you don't get to like i think narcissistic personality disorder is something that you that develops mm-hmm. i don't think people are really born with it because i think it's trauma related that's my opinion i mean the i, the, I don't tends, know what the yeah, official definition of it is but i know that like my Both of my parents' lives were were their childhoods were very difficult, especially my mom. Her childhood was like super difficult, and um, she she created all these barriers and you know all these things kind of like you they really all stem from her childhood. And so, the issue with um, sort of discovering what that I was also being kind of projected onto. From her trauma was just being projected onto me, and she like developed this, this sort of self esteem, like herself, because narcissism is like such a low self esteem that so like, insecure that, yeah, yeah, it's insecurity that like it, they just can't handle and
1: it's, it. It's built behind a wall of perfection. They they truly exactly need because they yeah are everything that they don't believe that they are. Quite frankly. Because internally, they they really don't they don't have the confidence they try to project, Um, and there are different levels of it that are more malignant. And people are either smarter or better at sort of um, Mm -hmm. fooling people, and other people are more transparent. Mm -hmm. Um, But but it is it's it's but going back to the it comes from somewhere. You know, a lot of their childhood was um, you know my dad in particular he. He his parents got divorced. There they were very impoverished at a point, and it was I think embarrassing deeply for him. And so mm-hmm. as a result, he what he tried to project out to the world was a very different image. Um, and you know his his and again his dad was very abusive. Um, and you know ironically he became very much like him. And I, I can't you know I, I don't see the point in, in comparing sometimes you know what what was worse, what wasn't. Uh, it's right. Like, it's everybody's individual experience, but, you know, he, he took on a lot of those traits. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, for me personally, that was something that, you know, with his alcoholism and his narcissism, like those are two things that I didn't want to embody ever. I, and, and I think a lot of, one of the most powerful things I think I read while I was learning about this and healing my journey was, um, you know, that the, the true victims in the situation are the ones that try to get help because they don't want to become their parents.
0: Well, here's one thing that, yeah, one thing that I, that I know that I've also read about um, is that, like, how do you know if you're, if you're a narcissist or not? Because what ends up happening is like when you have, when you do deal with narcissistic abuse, especially as a child from a parent, especially like a mother, like a, a mother or a father it really messes with your, your self-esteem. And then eventually what happens is you end up feeling like a narcissist yourself because you're, you're also learning these behaviors. Yeah. But one thing that I have heard is that if you're questioning whether you're a narcissist, you probably are not, you're probably (laughs) not a narcissist Mm -hmm. because a narcissist would never question their right. actions would never question what they do or what they say,
1: because nothing is wrong with them. Exactly, and, and that's that's part of why this was a sort of a later discovered um, disorder that really wasn't in the DSM for a while because narcissists weren't getting treatment. And actually, and I don't know if you came right. across this too, but um, you know how I sort of stumbled into it was online support groups, and I was googling the most innocuous thing that really was blaming myself in a situation that actually wasn't related to my father at all it was on a separate relationship that I was in at the time um, that was like, basically, why am I always fighting with this person that I don't want to fight with? And it's the only person I, you know, and, but they, they sort of, you know, figured out that this was a common disorder because all the victim, it was like the identical story across the board Mm. with victims. And, and it was like, and that's what I discovered when I was reading about a lot of this, when I first learned of it. Um, it was like story after story after story. I was like, that directly parallels mine. That's exactly what goes on. Is there, you know, a narcissistic handbook that they give people when they, like, <laughs> that's what it felt like. And like, they, they literally are pulling. I feel like they probably say the same things to, to you know, their kids and to other people in the world. Um, it's it's mind boggling because it is along the same theme. And you're like, how do they, mani- like, they manipulate their victims the same way they manipulate people in the world. Um, mm-hmm. and it's just like, they feel entitled to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and
1: that becomes a part where it, it's really difficult because they, they feel like the world owes them something. And I think, you know, it's this sense of entitlement that is so exaggerated that is then, you know, anybody who's not giving them what they think they deserve needs to, to pay and and they lead deeply unhappy lives because they, they can never be satisfied with anything. Right. Um, the unhappiness and really, is intense no no and, like they don't straining get any yeah i, I mean and, and on a base level they are sociopaths which, which means that they do not um,
0: they they're don't no have empathy. empathy
1: yeah complete lack of empathy and it can be confusing because some narcissists, and my father was this way they they are so self-pitying that it comes across like they care about people but but really a lot of it has to do with them and so when they're acting upset it's not that they're experiencing normal emotions or some people have a little, like it, it's a spectrum. The emo-
0: I think the emotions are real, but mm-hmm. what's not real is the, the story that, you know what I mean? Like that, yeah. that they're actually telling Yeah, about it. Mm-hmm. I think they convince themselves.
1: Yeah. When I, yeah, I think it's yeah. all, it's this intentionally and unintentionally in parts. I think, Designed uh, way of just protecting themselves completely from ex- from having any shame, guilt, or anything that would um, harm their ego. They just have an overinflated ego, and it's it's that's right. what it entirely revolves around.
0: Yeah, um, and um, the so to get into a little bit of like, how did we ourselves figure out like that we that we kind of grew up with this. For me, I remember that I always felt like there was something wrong with me. Yep. <laughs> like, like who I was naturally, like there was something wrong. And I know that's part of like my own self, you know, thing, but it was to an extreme. Yeah. And so I was afraid to do anything in life i was i was afraid to make decisions important decisions Mm -hmm. um there was things that are that you know things that you're for me it was like my mother was the more prominent the other my father was like the kind of the enabler but there was things that kept being repeated to me that Mm -hmm. became like belief systems later on Absolutely. that I that I realized that later later on that they weren't actually mine but I remember I didn't actually realize what I was actually suffering from until yeah. I got into a relationship with Another narcissist, that which tends exactly to happen because you yeah. like it's the world that you know and so it's like you're you're used to being abused and like hidden abuse that can yeah. easily be hidden and, and made and you made to feel like it's all you're, there's something wrong with you, not with them. Yeah. So and until I, I actually well. <laughs> got yeah, into that relationship and then out of it mm-hmm. that I finally realized, oh my goodness, this has nothing to do with this person like this situation is just an extension of what i grew up with yeah. and so that person literally took my mother's place right they 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 had the control over me yeah. i gave them the control because that's all i knew is how to give the control away and even right. though i have a pretty strong personality and you know my mom would probably say oh save it you know what i mean like that's Mm -hmm. not true you're you you've done things for yourself you've made your own choices you left you know like all this stuff like i would hear these things like (laughs) the the truth the truth is that the 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 dynamics of it, it it is ingrained inside of you and it's not something that you can just walk away from and i learned that the hard way i literally every bone in my body when i was like 23 years old was like get out of here You need to leave. I just got when who said that because
1: that's, I mean, yes. Oh,
0: yeah. So like I (laughs) I left, but I left and I went like a few states away. Mm -hmm. And I I was like, I'm going to live my own life. I'm going to be free. And then that's when I like, I tried to do the thing by myself, but I was so insecure. And so I didn't, I had never actually experienced the world. Like I was afraid of everything. That's what I, Mm -hmm. I, I would like. I was made to fear everything. Like right. to be afraid or of the police, to be afraid of whatever any anything that was illegal, because our thing was like we're, we could get deported because we weren't we we immigrated from Argentina, and for the longest time it was like just like a lot of people that <laughs> immigrate don't have papers, and we didn't have papers until we finally did, and now mm-hmm. we're citizens, but for that like that fear was so strong and it was so ingrained that like I never let myself live life like I didn't have normal experiences with my friends like in high school I never went to parties I never hung out with my friends like out you know really I had two friends yeah. two one yeah. of them was like my neighbor that we hung out because we lived right next to each other and then the other one was like one friend from school and like honestly like that's really the only two friends that I've ever had from childhood later on, I've made a lot more friends because I've gotten to know who I am. But like, in my, my realization of it was like, that the whole thing just gets ingrained, and then it becomes your life. And then you're really confused, because you can't function fully in the world, the world expects a certain thing out of you, and you're not able to give it because it was taken away from you, which is confidence in yourself.
1: And and that's by design. And I think, you know, I, I, first of all, had a very similar story. And I, I looked to the fact that I I played sports that really saved my life because it not only gave me an excuse to get out of the house. And so my, my dad couldn't really control everything, but it gave me a, a, at least a little bit of a separate um, source of confidence and exposure to other people who could give me a different opinion. Because part of the problem and and we didn't talk about is, is, Narcissists function by isolating people completely. Like my family grew up, right, right. I'm from Maryland. Most of my mom's family, she's one of eight, um, are in New York. Um, and they, we were by ourselves, we were alone. And I came to learn way later that my mom never actually explained what went on in the house. It was always chalked up to, well, you know, Maddie and her dad, like they just, they just fight a lot. It was never, and that he can be kind of a jerk. It wasn't, oh no, he's vicious. He's actually violent. He's aggressive. He would, you know, um, and and it was more the, the psychological warfare that he would play. And it's the repeated messages over and over again. It's designed to wear it on your confidence. Because, you know, I look at, I would get conflicting messages and be like, why can't you be more confident? Like, why don't you assert yourself? You have all these like credentials, whatever. You know, why why don't you sell yourself more than the flip side it's like you like what man would ever want something like that? Um you're gross, you're why don't you clean your hair, you smell bad like you know, just the constant rating and Mm -hmm. belittling and and every little thing that that brings you some joy, like the things that you think are just fun and, and you don't think that much about, but but if you have a parent who's constantly shutting it down and calling you weird and and all this stuff and then on top of it you know I think there's this desire like you know on some level that the things are dysfunctional in your house I don't think you ever you don't and I didn't have the sense of how bad it was until I finally when I was 26 or 27 it was the first time I actually told a friend and like friends that what actually went like a, a, a small tidbit of what was going on in my house growing up and and what got me was I was giving the, like to me, I was giving background information and they stopped me and they were like, I, I just want to stop you and, and say like, n- I can't even imagine my parents ever doing something like that. Like that, like they did what? And I was like, well, well that's not even that, but like that happened every day. Like the, the other stuff is where I really want to talk about. And, and and it was the moment for me where I was like, oh my gosh, that narrative that you tell, there's so many damaging, I think, societal norms where it's like yeah every family has its issues every blah 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 but not every family is abusive not every you know the the issues that exist narcissists are able to get along with because they play into the jokes of society like very well and they do it in public in a way that if they they will they will belittle you in public and it's embarrassing and if they get called out they realize they've gone a little too far but usually they can get away with really put downs to you to their spouse to anybody in public that make them seem like this good jolly guy bopping around who doesn't know, you know, what they're doing. Um, And I think for me, like I, I definitely, I isolated, I felt like I couldn't relate to anyone. First of all, you know, my dad, um, he was an alcoholic before he got sober and then he just, his real personality showed. And, And that's one of the things with narcissism that they talk about a lot are alcoholics, but really it's just, it's, it's a cover for their real personality because they can excuse it away like anything else. I mean, there's always an excuse for why they were mean and why someone deserved it or why someone made them mad or why they reacted that way. That might not seem fair, but actually you should have known better before picking at me or doing this thing that, you know, I hate is, is how they operate. And alcohol is another one where it's like, how can you really hold someone accountable when they're not necessarily in control of the motor functions? And when I like because of all of that, like, I have a very distinct memory going back to when I was two. Like, I, I remember things. And so I know. And you're the oldest, that, right? I'm the, oldest.
0: I'm the oldest. You're the oldest of three? Yeah. And I'm in the middle of the three. Middle. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and there's definitely a lot to, to talk about when it comes yeah, to yeah. sibling dynamics. Um, but like, but I remember, I remember the difference between when my dad was very drunk and when he was like, he was definitely with it enough. Because if he was really drunk, he'd go to sleep. When he was just buzzed he would be extremely mean and it was you know whatever so mm-hmm. he got sober when i was nine and a half and i felt like okay like you know i i wanted my mom to divorce him at that time um and he came back and i realized that he he basically it was a whole guys he didn't ever actually want to accept culpability he said came back saying I'll, I'll talk about whatever you want to talk about and i had a lot of questions there was a lot, I, There were a lot of things. because um, Another thing that happens sometimes is it's called enmesh, enmeshment. Mm-hmm. And that happened with me and my mom. I was aware of a lot more, but she shared a lot. Like I, I took on the adult responsibilities and I really in that way became the parent, the one who was emotionally responsible for the other one. Because it's another thing with the, the household is it's it's very emotionally neglectful. Like your needs do not matter. The only person in the whole house whose needs matter is the narcissist. And then secondarily, maybe the spouse who, um, you know, still everything revolves around the narcissist because their survival depends on it. Therefore, you have to make the narcissist happier that your other parent will also be upset with you. And that would happen, that dynamic played out in our house a lot. Um, and I would always feel the most guilty because I knew when I was wronged and something wasn't right and it was unfair, but to hear my mom be upset about it and feel like I was to blame and, and all the stuff that I had somehow caused my dad to you know, get upset with her, um, that made me the most upset. So I was always afraid she was gonna have a heart attack from all the stress. And what's crazy looking back is never once did I really look at myself and go, who's looking out for me but what happens is you grow up and you realize you just completely lacked that nurturing. And, and that's mm. the emptiness that you feel where mm. you suddenly are like, who am I? Well, what's my identity outside of taking care of my mom is, is for me how and my brothers, but predominantly my mom. I mean, I was responsible for her emotional well-being and, and I, I was basically her therapist is how it was. And I was the one explaining to her how the world was and trying to get her to understand you know how the di- that people had different feelings and and that you know this is what so-and-so meant or whatever um which is the role of the parent in this situation so, and it's called parentification in the the context of narcissism and you know but but as a result of all of that I felt these adult responsibilities from such a young age and i had seen so much of the world that, that certain things just weren't Funny to me, I didn't feel like I could be lighthearted a lot of times, even though I had a playful nature that could come out when I was really comfortable with someone. But until that happened, I I just, I was very quiet. I would observe everything. Um, And they always say it's the quiet ones you have to be the most worried about. And that was definitely true in my case. But, um, you know, that you just, you don't want to let anybody in. I didn't, I didn't really let anybody get to know me because, Mm. I was afraid they would associate me with my family, like with my parents that really my dad. And I didn't want anybody to think that I held the same beliefs that he did because they can also have just just extreme rigid like
0: mm-hmm.
1: things that they, they throw out and you're like, that's not what I feel. <laughs> don't Don't judge me by my parents, but when you mm-hmm. are living under their roof, it's hard to have that separation that you start to get. But that's also why they want to control you and keep you emotionally dependent on them. Because they know the second you get a taste of the real world, you're going to start seeing all the problems. Um, And, you know, that led to, I mean, a whole lot of things. But I think the most freeing moment in my life was when I finally let my, the rest of my family know what was really going on. They had no idea. And to my mom, it was, it was the biggest betrayal that I could have ever done was, was simply telling my immediate family, like what, we had so why don't we, we, let's yeah. go,
0: let's go into that because I think that kind of is a nice segue into talking about how, how all of this really impacted ourselves. And when we finally realized and when like, when we came out with it, like what happened? Mm-hmm. I mean, what, I mean, I, no,
1: I, it, it's, I mean, that, that really is kind of how it feels where you, you, it's this secret that you have been holding on to for so long. And, and some of it being that you don't quite understand it anyway. Like you, you genuinely like, and I felt that way too, where I was like, something is wrong with me. There's mm-hmm. nothing like, when you looked at, at my life from the outside, you know, you could look at people and go well, there, what's wrong. You have everything going for you, all this stuff. And, and, but internally I felt like a train wreck and I felt like mm-hmm. I don't belong here. I like, I had friends, but I but I felt so distant from them. Also, because I felt like the second that I, you know, basically like peeled the layer back, like all you know, I was I was always afraid what would come out of my mouth if like if people really heard all the feelings that were inside that I knew that I had on some level just buried so deep, but mm-hmm. I didn't really let myself think about. And, and that's that's sort of the equivalent when you sort of face this head on. And, and for me. It, it reached a point where I, I think I literally could not h- hold any more emotions inside me without exploding. And so the second that I started sort of talking and sharing some stuff, and, it, and again, a lot of it was motivated by a desire to sort of help my mom get out of an abusive situation, mm-hmm. um, which she ultimately went back to, which is another thing with this type of abuse, I mean particularly in romantic relationships, Spouses often, even if they seek help, they, they go back over and over and over again, and and that was you know what you know into. what it is.
0: It's it, so here's something that I realized about that is that the abuse. It's almost like it becomes an addiction. Like at some point you lose yourself in it and you don't know who you are outside of it. And so because you're more comfortable in the abuse, receiving the abuse, like being in that whole dynamic and the whole drama of it, like you just get addicted to the drama. Because one thing that I have realized is when I, once I've walked away and I haven't, you know, it's been almost, God, it's going to be like three years now that I've talked to my, my mom, but I decided to make major boundary and I haven't felt, like I needed, like, I haven't felt the, oh, I should reach out to her. Like, I just haven't felt that. It was, it's it's the, yeah, it's like the strongest. It's like, to me, it's like, well, I still obviously need, I need the time. And, and, I'm, and I'm so much more confident now that I'm completely okay with taking the time and I understand what it means and I understand how everybody else in the family is probably looking at me and I understand it all, but I, but I, but I love myself so much more now that I, I love and, I, and I, like, I'll, I take care of myself now before i take care of anybody else or what anybody else thinks Mm -hmm. and so that's completely different and so like jai empower empowered jai is a threat to the whole dynamic that (laughs) because because it's like it's the victim control dynamic but it's also like the dynamic or or, which that I've, i've heard it referred to as the narcissistic family cult that's what it is because because it becomes like the the narcissist is the one that holds the power and if there's more than one narcissist in families um they're the ones that hold the power And then everybody else has to like bow down to them. And if someone decides to confront the narcissist or go against the narcissist or reveal the narcissist or reveal the abuse, the whole, the whole family will be so afraid of the breakdown of power and the breakdown of the dynamic that no one, everyone is so addicted to the drama and their role that they play in the little story that like everybody just pretends and continues to play the story without realizing they're just perpetuating more and more abuse. Abuse, and then they themselves are taking more abuse. And then some people become the ones that are okay, where you're on the good side. So you don't get the abuse, but they're on the bad side. So they get the abuse. And then you don't believe the person that got the abuse because you're like, I, she never did that to me. She's never right. been that way to me, so like she's not a bad person, and you're like the there's no way for me to good. explain yeah. you know what I mean like mm-hmm. what I've gone through, but like I need to trust in myself and so right. I don't even know where I'm going with that but
1: well no I, I mean because that's that's part of what what um, happens and i'm I'm blinking completely on the term, but it, it basically is you start to question your own truth because it's gaslighting because right. because you if you hear the same story over and over again and no one's there to back you up and vouch for you, whether it's because they're afraid or whether it's because, well, are you sure? Like, so, cause that's also where different dynamics play out, where, you know, certain people tune out completely. Um, and, and a lot of times that's the enabling parent for their own survival. They sort of steer clear of protecting the children is what happens. Um, because to insert themselves would be a problem. And for me, like, you know, I think in in my dynamic, there was a role that I took is I I very much became the scapegoat. My youngest brother also was, and he, he, you know,
0: he was just going to say that I I kind of have become that,
1: you know, was unruly. I was the good kid that should have been just easygoing, but I saw the truth of what was happening and I wouldn't just stand by to, to watch my mom abuse and my brothers. And so what happened was I was like, well, I feel I'm emotionally stronger, so if he is going to get mad at anybody, I might like, he's already going to pick a fight with me. So I may as well insert myself and defend them anyway.
0: Do you know what's so it's crazy? Because when you, when you say those things, you remind me of like, that's the role that my sister played. She was mm-hmm. the oldest. And for the longest time, she, and I remember this, she was like the scapegoat. She was like the black sheep, you know, she was yes. the one who like would have, yelling fights with mom and stuff like that. And like they, they would go at each other's throats and they would hurt each other intentionally. And then my sister would go through these periods of like, I'm not talking to mom. And then but then it was so convoluted because then it was like, mom was trying to get through me like, okay, I need to know what your sister is doing. And it was like, I don't know what she's doing. Like, it just didn't, like, it was so weird. Like you to like build you
1: their know, team. You have to know then what inside. So then
0: it's funny because I was always like, maybe like the, the nice one, I guess you could say like, quote I was like maybe like more softer or something like that. My sister has always been very strong and she has Aries rising. And, um but I actually have Mars in Scorpio. So that's like pretty gnarly in itself. <laughs> yeah but I am like more of a softy in terms of like a much more sensitive emotionally I like I I probably and my sister's sensitive too but like I showed it more I showed my sensitivity more and so I was seen as like the weak one and I remember that there was a point where you know my dad this was years later he finally said you know I always thought that you were the the weak one because I, I didn't know if you were gonna make it because you were like so sensitive like always crying for everything And then later on, he's like, I actually realized you were the strongest one. Mm -hmm. And what what has happened now is that I, right, the one that was like supposedly the nice one and listen, like talk to me and want me to give her advice because I was the only one that was like studying the whole spiritual side of life and everything. And so like I became kind of like her her little healer person or whatever. Mm. But when I finally said no more. Right. What is it so weird. It, yeah. Drain. It is. It's so oh, totally draining. Totally like 100% I can't do anything in my life when I'm involved with drama that has to do with my family. Like right. I can't do and it like takes me down. And that's dream. why and I've then had to it takes
1: to, weeks to recover even.
0: Yeah, and I've had to make yeah. the biggest boundary that I've never made before in my entire life. And I don't think that they expected that. No, I don't think they expected that at all. And I think they're like, I don't know what to do with it. And right now that's where they're, they're still there. Like, I don't know what to do with it, but no one's like reached out to me, which is the craziest thing. No one in my family has actually, and I've talked to certain people in my family. I'm not going to name names, you know, but like I've (laughs) had conversations with, you know, family members that are kind of, neutral but not really but like neutral yeah because you can't really be neutral from this thing like if yeah. you're in it you're I'm in really it and in, you're yeah. being affected by it and unless you separate yourself like no contact it is toxic you are being affected by the toxicity of it right. i don't care what you think you're no. being affected by it you cannot well, change my mind about that you know no, and, so and, like, and that's why they yeah. talk
1: about i mean that was one of the scariest things i think for me and and Certainly, like in, in the more romantic uh, side of things, that was hard. But then, when thinking about your family, like, how am I ever going to separate myself completely? Because, because over and over again, the things I would read would be like, "Well, you can try to have sort of a relationship and set hard boundaries, but realistically, the, the only thing that really works is no contact."
0: That's what you I know? kept hearing it's too. Like, it's like, how, how do you do, I do that? that? Yeah,
1: and you know, for in my situation, it was like. The, the circumstances actually set themselves up perfectly for me to not feel the guilt because you feel guilty you, you feel like i'm i'm the taking worst. my you because you are a source for the narcissist and you're even a source for the enabling parent and, and that was my case and you feel like removing yourself is going to kill them somehow and I, and I felt that with my mom like i felt like if i don't she has thre- my mom has threatened to kill her, herself before yeah I, I mean and that's a narcissist. that's if, that's if, right out of the if, narcissist if, claim yep. <laughs> If, if if they like, either may yeah. threaten to do it or make you think that they are so unglued like that they're going to do it because you walked away. And yeah, and then you're you going to be guilty.
0: They're going to kill themselves. Yeah. And if they like, don't
1: explicitly say it, it is implied and it's it's nasty. very much understood. It's, it's, yeah. She's and, done that to
0: me and to my sister too. Yeah.
1: And and, yeah. and you're just like scratching your head going, what? And you're made to feel guilty if you do anything in your life. and And for me, I mean, it was any time. I was studying for the bar and I was the most selfish person in the world. I, every, anytime I talked about like school stuff and I tried to downplay it, like you're being so dramatic. You're so sensitive. How is it that you have it the hardest of anyone? I'm like, what are you talking about? I just said, I, I'm just really sleepy. Sorry if I'm not my bubbly, like whatever you expect of me, I'm exhausted and you are draining the last life out of me. Like I felt like, I felt like a selfish friend is really what happened. Um, like I didn't have anything left in the take, not only for myself, but definitely for, for friends and, and anything that I did have left, really, I try, like you realize how much you try to overcompensate for everything because the role you play is the supportive role and it's helping other people. And, and never are you really looking into, if you're, if you're not taking on the narcissistic traits, you're taking on the, you know, emotionally drained traits and, you know, a lot of, I mean. That ultimately led to an almost, you know, full adrenal shutdown for me, eventually, and <laughs> right? really, and I, you know, I felt exhausted all the time, and, and there was no reason for it. I go to every, you know, I talk to my doctors and be like, I'm just tired, like I'm not getting any more or less sleep than at any other time in my life. I'm just, I'm constantly drained and when I finally got away from the drama, it, it made it better, but I. It was this whole drama about getting away like that I was being selfish and my dad made all these last ditch efforts to pretend like he cared and he he really was played up for my mom and every time it's crazy because every time I would try to point out like do you see what he's doing though he's not saying these things to me he's telling you how much I upset him and you ha- like these things are not directed at me I've it's a game that's a that's
0: yeah, I think that's yes, the, the thing that a was. lot of a lot of people so if you're here's here's what i'm going to say like because we're we're getting into these sort of the dynamics of what happens when you're in a family and it is like a, the narcissistic it's cult. So, so yeah so basically it's like if you're if you're so, if you're someone who like got the abuse you're like oh yeah oh yeah Oh yeah. Yeah. That, oh yeah. Oh my God. You, oh my God. That happened to me too. And oh my, yes, yes. Yeah. If you're someone who was like the golden child where like you weren't, the abuse wasn't directed at you, then you have a really hard time believing it because you have a different belief system. You have a different idea of the person you it's almost like you have a hard time imagining that they could have committed that much abuse. Well, you know what if I mean? You take and so, them off
1: their throne, that takes you off of yours. Like, it's a direct right. hit to the ego of no, I am the perfect child. If you're saying that this person is in the wrong, then they, they that means they're wrong about me too. Like, they're abusing me. What are you talking about? That can't be right. No, Mm-mm. it was something Stop upsetting the apple cart. You know,
0: there's something interesting to uh, for me too is that I, I this is the biggest boundary I've ever made, and honestly, I I'm still dealing with it, like you know. Mm-hmm. I'm much, much better without all that drama though. Like that life is so much different now. And that's one of the things I was getting at is life after the abuse, after like the boundaries that you have to set, you don't, it's almost like you enter the world and you don't know who you are and you have to discover who you are because you were literally told who you are and -hmm. you were told who you were not and you were taking away opportunities because you were made to believe that you were like a piece of shit.
1: Yeah. Well, it so, reminds me too of, you know, yeah. something that would play out because anytime that there would be an opinion from anybody else, because I, I was involved in different like I was actively involved in other things. It was the, the message that I got at home was, Well, they don't really know they're real you. If they knew they're real you, they wouldn't like you. Oh you're my not, god, that, oh
0: my god. I'd be like, my mom oh, sat down with my oh. now husband. <laughs> And was like, you don't know her. Mm-hmm. You, you, you'll see. She'll leave you or whatever. Some some crazy thing like that. And he was like, okay. And you're like,
1: wait, like, wait newsflash, when you're not being abused and berated and you're not on, you know, walking uh, here, on an so you're the actually thing, happy and you can be yourself.
0: <laughs> that's the thing that I think was like the the thing that made me make my decision of like, okay, I just need to be done with this whole entire thing and just walk away. And I don't know how long I'm walking away for, but... I need to go live my life. I was like, I'm over huh. this. Like, this is not my story. I have a mission. I was yes. like, I came here for, I have a, mi- like, I don't have time for this. Yeah. Whatever this karmic things. thing is, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. okay, I got it. Like, I got it. Like, I survived it. And I am healing now and I'm going to be healing for the rest of my life because it was so traumatic and people don't realize that how traumatic it can be when it's internal. The internal abuse is the worst.
1: You doubt everything. You don't have confidence. Every, every thing that it's like the nurses gives you the comp, the, the confidence in certain things and then takes it away in every aspect of your, anything that you could cling to, to be like, this is, this is my niche in the world. I'm good at this. Or I, you know, my intuition is good. My whatever you're, t- you're made to feel like you're the most irresponsible person who can't function on their own. And I got that message. And, and when I started to look at the whys of that, like that, I mean, my mom even used to, I mean, he, she would start adopting the same things that my dad was saying to call me irresponsible and all this stuff. And I'd look at it and go, you're calling me irresponsible because I got parking tickets. I mean, that that really is the basis. And I'm 26 years old. We're having this conversation. Right. I'm, I'm a disaster. in like, like your I'm child still. Yeah. But the reason behind that, that like belief is parking tickets. Okay. We need to like, look at what, you know, <laughs> what is true, you know, irresponsibility and whatnot, but, but that is how you go through the world. And on top of that, you, on the one hand, I think there is an addiction to the drama, but then it's like your entire identity is built around that. So when you venture out, like and my identity was also like family is the most important. And the idea to me of walking away felt like the most selfish thing I could do. Yep. And finally someone had like, what got through to me because same. I also felt called in the world to do something that actually helped people. Mm-hmm. And what they said, you know, was like, "Maddie, actually, what you're doing is selfish because if you allow all of your energy to be spent here, like this is killing you. It actually is." And that was, I mean, it was a very sobering moment it, to me. It was, it was the same so for me. I was like, "You're right. I I, can't, I barely have the strength to get up in the morning. I have migraines every day. I am barely sleeping. I'm barely functioning." I don't even have the energy to like put forth to my career and support myself and all this stuff, but I, I'm trying to make it work. And then I'm being told how horrible of a human being I am by my family, who I spend every waking moment thinking about. But, you know, my friend was like, you're being extremely selfish because you will never help the people that you are here to do if you continue to try to fix your mom. And, and that's what I was trying to do. I like, I wanted to save her.
0: I felt Holy like- I have gone through that phase heart. too. I was like, no, she, she can, she sees it. She can, she can heal. Like she can become a better person. And that's why I was like right there with her for a long time. Like, no, you can do this. Like, this is what healing looks like. And then I wasn't even, I didn't even realize that my entire whole thing was like based, it started with her. Mm -hmm. And so when I realized that it was like, whoa, hold on a minute, like stop like (laughs) I can't deal with this and then something happened in my life that was a situation where she tried to basically add like my husband became part of like the evil plan to like like hurt my family so like so so that was what happened with me and it was like what okay like that's obviously not true and so that's what started the separation it was like she involved it was like she said that my husband got in the way of like the family and she she should just stay out of our business and I was like we're married (laughs) like like he is family now he treats me better than you. Like, ever but have. you know what I'm saying? It was like, <laughs> yeah. hold on a second. What our family can't include ever spouses or boyfriends or nothing? What the hell is that? That's not family.
1: Because right. it's it's all ultimately designed to make you question yourself and your choices and, and that includes your spouse. Anybody that I mean, that was the same with me. I mean, there was, a, there was a guy that I was seeing that I I mean, I swear my mom prayed him away and she told me that that as much um and you know it it was just every little slice of happiness they have to to get their hooks in and it it got to the point for me too where I didn't want to share anything I didn't want to share anything until I had fully made the the decision and most of the time until something was actually you know completed to be like oh this thing happened because anything along the way they they would find a way to, to just like plant enough self-doubt or take away a little bit of the happiness even if it was just something you're sharing like news that you're excited about it would be like whoa why aren't you doing all these other things what about this other disaster in your life that you know never mind the small victories um and and it's just every step of the way designed to erode you so you're so dependent on them for your self-worth which i mean it's true like
0: You do become dependent on them for your self-worth. And for the longest time, I thought that I was supposed to, like that pleasing my mom was like the best thing in the world, like mm-hmm. to make my mom happy was like what I was supposed to do in my life. But then when I realized that making her happy meant I was totally unhappy myself, that's when I started to question it. Like, wait a minute, Where, what about my happiness? Like, what if I don't want that for my life? What if I want this other thing? And it had to do with like, you're supposed to get, you know, a PhD and you're supposed to go all the way with your education. And then it was like, didn't you want that? Like, wasn't that what you wanted? And then it was like, well, yeah, I did want it. But the reason I wanted it was because I felt like it would make you happy. But my, my, my purpose in life is not to make you happy. Like I have my own life and I have my own desires and my own needs. And, and happiness to me is different than what happiness is to you. And if, I, if there's no room for my happiness, then I don't want to have anything to do with this at all.
1: Yeah. Well, my dad used to specifically say children exist to make their parents happy. And I know that my mom on some level would cringe at that, but she wouldn't correct him just like she wouldn't correct him anytime he was saying like things you would never say to your daughter or your anybody. Um, but I look back in horror and, and I think for me, the, the, the part that I actually had the hardest time with, because I, it was, it was, I think much easier for me to see that my dad is just this very nasty, awful person. And the only reason I really put up with him was because of my mom, because I knew it in order for me to have a relationship with her, I had to make nice with him. Um, until a point, And then, you know, what happened in my situation, I've, I've not spoken to my dad in three years. Um, and and that on some levels, because I, I actually thought my life was in danger at one point, And I, I told my mom, I will never like, I, ha- I don't have an intention of speaking to him again. Um, if something happens in the future, we'll see. But, but, you know, and forgiveness is for me, like, that's what I need to work on. Um, and, you know, but as far as us communicating, I want you to know, like, that's a no-go, don't address it. And it was sort of understood. And then what happened is for basically three years, um, my mom kept playing the game of trying to convince me to um, come back and and it was in slight ways. And then it got more dramatic where she would just talk about him more and talk about all his good qualities. And, you know, they basically, she she decided at a point that it, it was more important for her to put work towards fixing their relationship, um, than working on ours. And that she somehow, owed, I mean, her thing was she, she owed him this stuff. And, and I, I like,
0: wow, it's yeah. when you're the
1: kid in that situation, you're like, okay, like you don't want to be the selfish one. And that was, I mean, I was accused of being selfish so much that it was like, but that's not true. Like it's not true on any level. I didn't even ask for love half the time. Um, but I, but as I got older, I'm like, how can you be saying that to you? I, I literally almost threw my life away for you and you're still telling me you owe him somehow more than your own child? Don't you, do, like, isn't there at least a little bit of like a twinge of something that, that maybe like, you owe it to our relationship to have a relationship? Because mm-hmm. he, that's the other thing is like, he would not allow us to have a relationship. We couldn't have mother-daughter time because it was, it was so, and she would make me feel guilty about not inviting him on things. Meanwhile, if we would go anywhere, he'd he'd call every five seconds and it would be about something dramatic and he would whine and throw this whole fit and it was this production to do anything, like go down, like go to the store together for an hour was, was you are being the most selfish daughter in the entire world. Um, And so that played out later. And and ultimately, I mean, it's been Easter is the last time I talked to my mom. (laughs) Um, and she finally made it clear. She said some of the most, she said the things I needed her to say, quite frankly, that, that told me, okay, you've, you've fully adopted his worldview and his, his view of me. Like you see me as selfish, okay, all these, like you see me as this awful person. You don't even like who I am. You don't, you don't actually even wanna know who I am, um, but we will never have a relationship until I come, I allow him back into my life. Like that's, that's what you've been playing at this whole time. It's just been a long game of manipulation on your part too. And so that for me was the dynamic that happened that ultimately, you know, I had to separate from from that too. Because frankly, anytime I would have contact with my mom within those three years, it was it was always it made me feel so drained that I would it would it would take me away from what I was working towards in my own life or it would plant seeds of doubt because she had this way of just saying the thing that just why did you say it? <laughs> now it's in my head and now I'm doubting my, you know my own judgment again and and i don't need to be doing that um and those were the moments of realization for me and, and i luckily i had i had friends who would reinforce that too at the time that like do you see what happens do you see what happens every time you do this um and i think that if anything that is maybe one of the more important things is, is to involve outsiders and it's the last thing you want to do when you are in a family dynamic and, and to me like I am a vault. I will keep any, like I can, I will hold anyone's secret. I don't feel like it's mine to share. And and I felt the same with my family where it's like, no, it's none of your business. What goes on behind the wall? Like you can't say anything about my family. Like only I can. Um, and I, I realized that that was the whole problem. Nobody in my family who would have helped knew what was going on. And, you know, I think felt tremendously guilty about it when they learned about it way later. Um, when sort of a lot of things had blown up in, in our family. Um, and they're looking at, you know, their sister going like, you've, you've been in an abusive relationship for 30 years and you did it because you felt guilty. You felt like you had made a decision you had to stick with. Um, there are a lot of other, (laughs) other dynamics, but I think like, you know, the dynamic in, in with my parents too, is my mom also was so afraid that I would end up like her, whatever that meant to her. And, And there were a lot of variations of it that, she, everything she did was sort of not telling the truth about a lot of things, um, including the relationship with my, my mom and my dad. And, you know, it boiling down to she knew she shouldn't have married him before she did. He was abusive before then. And I think, I'm sure the two of us can look at the, the relationships that we've been in personally and go, there are definitely moments where we just ignored our gut, where we, we knew that, that something wasn't right. And it didn't feel like love, but we just stuck in it because you're, you're so committed and you've, you've like, it's almost like you've invested in this relationship. So you're going to make it work and you keep going at it. And that's also what happens in these dynamics. Um, but, you know, when you do become the person who got away, you are completely vilified. Like you are, you have, you know, you're the one who, who broke up the family. You're a liar. You know, you, you really start to question your own perception of events. Um, and not only has that happened your whole life, if you've been the truth teller, but now that you've, you've sort of involved other people, like, you know, you must be destroyed. This is basically the like family and it's, it's a really isolating one. And it's one where, I mean, I think that's part of, I think we probably are both in the same, um, position a little bit still with some of it where you, you're trying to sort of rebound from, okay now that i don't really have that core family unit that i i always you know you know you notice it i think around the holidays you notice it in in moments where it's like wow i don't like even though i know internally like i i don't even feel the urge to pick up the phone to call my my family anymore um and there you know i'm still in touch with my one of my siblings my my other sibling um around the time that i stopped talking to my dad he also decided that i was horrible but he was the golden child um and you know you have those moments where like i i i just you crave that family it's what keeps you coming back for so long too because you're like i just want this family to be what i think families are like i want it to feel like love Do you know?
0: Yes, I know because we deserve love because we deserve like real love from a parent, which we never got. And so it almost feels like for the rest of our lives, we have that this void to fill. And we have to realize that we have to really start to fill it with our own love for ourselves. That's really the only way because no relationships of mine have worked Mm -hmm. at all until this one. Because so you really
1: found the love within yourself.
0: Right. Well, because with this relationship actually gave me the space to heal and understood the healing that I was going through, the intensity that I was going through, and gave me the space to, like, explore myself without pressure, without, you know, there's, there's no drama here. So, so it's, I mean, you can't yeah, like it's that's like you really hard to way. find, you know? And yeah. so to be able to have someone who supports you and understands the the the, the amount the mountain of healing that you yes. have to do and, and how courageous it is to take a step like we have done, to like make that no contact, like no no more contact, like we are done until I feel ready. And if I don't ever feel ready again, that's fine. There is no judgment because healing is healing. And like, if someone really loved you, and this is the thing, it's like, if someone really loved you, they would understand and they would give you all the space that you needed. They would let go of the relationship because they knew that like, you also have needs. Yes. and relations real true authentic nurturing relationships should be that way where there's communication where people get to talk and express them, themselves and everybody gets a say into like what what's 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 going on here and how can we resolve this together instead of like just play the dynamic and that's all there is and you know if you don't go with how we've always done things then forget it you know yeah so know, it's I just it, i think yeah, no, and I was just gonna say that I think that now, where we're at, I'm finding that family has taken on a completely new meaning to me.
1: Yes,
0: and and because also, you know, I, I've gotten into things that are much more um, uh, spiritual Absolutely. and yeah. etheric, and and like there's the soul family and things like that, which is a whole nother level. But that is, that is to me, the evolution of family. Yes. The evolution of like the, the dynamic of family, because I, I know now that no, I didn't have the kind of family that I, that I deserve to have. I didn't have the kind of, I didn't have love. I didn't have the kind of love that is a true nurturing motherly love. It was, it was always manipulative. It was always like, I... i'm I'm gonna do this but like you will always owe me something because i'm like doing all this for you and sacrificing everything for you and it was like you're throwing all of your shit on me and it's not mine to hold a parent a real true parent who really loves their children would never do that to their children and i know that now Mm -hmm. and that's where that's why the strong boundary but i also know that like my Definition of family has completely changed and completely evolved, and so for my family to come to me and talk to me as if we were on like the same level, I don't think it's possible anymore. No, because <laughs> no. because like they don't like I've gone so way off the deep end, and in their eyes, that I'm like just I just I went crazy. Yeah, I, lo- I lost I, my head. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so yeah, so yeah. so it's like it's just not gonna happen. But I know that I am in my own space in my healing space I'm learning about myself I'm discovering myself for the first time I mean come on I'm like 36 years old I'm still discovering like at this point you feel way more confident with yourself normally if you had loving parents and a loving household even if the household wasn't perfect but if you actually had true nurturing love (laughs) you would feel confident in yourself in life and the fact that I never felt confident like that says a lot but now I'm learning to be more confident so that is that That's where the the healing that I've noticed takes you once you take it to the next step, which is the hardest, which is like no contact
1: right when, and and I think it's it's so funny what you touched on because that family piece is so important and and what I look at and when i I'm honestly tremendously grateful for it i only you know I always felt a deep connection to my guardian angels like they I just always picture them around me, protecting me from whatever. And I, and I had this bigger sense of this is preparing me for what I'm meant to do in the world. And, I, and that everything was for a reason. And that meant the, the harshest things were somehow preparing me to understand someone else, to be ready in a certain situation and very, very deep sense of that. And what I was so fortunate with, it didn't make any sense to me at the time, but I was really blessed in the sense that I had so many surrogate mothers. And why I say it didn't make sense to me is because my, my father was the abusive one. I felt like, shouldn't I have more daddy issues? And maybe I do or I don't. But my mom is the one that I craved the love from, but I, but I was the mother. Like I raised her, so I didn't have that. But in my life, it was like, it, it's unc- every situation I look back across, I had a mom in every situation that included law school, it was in college, like every step of the way, there was someone who, who filled that role and really provided me the love and the nurturing that I lacked. And and it doesn't, you can never replace your actual biological mom. I truly believe that, that like, once you feel that rug sort of pulled out from under that there's sort of a void there, there, there is a hole that you do have to fill yourself to the degree that you can and, and to learn to, I think, live a little bit with a little bit of the pain that I think will maybe always be there. Um, But I look at, you know, the healing during it's, it's been compared to there are layers of, you know, an onion and you, you peel back one layer and there's another layer and another layer. And sometimes like one layer will squirt in your eye and you realize it's really painful and worse than you, you imagined it was beneath the surface. Um, but I think it's made me so appreciative of the people that truly resonate with me, of the, the friends that have become family, of the people in the spiritual community who have become the same and, and all the things I've discovered about myself, the confidence I've gained and, and, the things that I've learned and the way that, you know, all the synchronicities sort of line up in your life that, that place people in your life. And, and I think the ways that you realize you're able to help other people and the people that come into your life that are in need of a similar healing to what you maybe just went through at a different stage. And you're able to sort of be that person that can, can guide them a little bit along their journey too. Um, but, I think the connection that you feel as a result, like I I truly, it's hard to say you're grateful for abuse, right? But like, I'm grateful for the experience and and maybe having, you know, survived and healed from a lot of it because what it did for me was it it got me in touch with so much more of who I am in a way that I I don't know that you do, maybe you do if you you grew up in a a really truly nurturing family, but I think that never would have found um, if I hadn't gotten away And if if I hadn't felt like you know everything or like everything was topsy turvy, I had to make sense of it all and and really rediscover who I am Um, because it 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 made me open to things and and to be able to see the world differently and experience all of life. Um, And then obviously yes, there are there are days where you feel like you know is this a setback? Like it you know um, and you can beat yourself up. And I think that's another thing along you know a healing journey and. I'll make an analogy to sports because I also had a lot of sports injuries where I hurt my knee. And and the thing that I had to learn personally was I always wanted to push myself beyond what I was capable of really, like beyond capacity. And, and what you learn in, in healing is that you you have to go with what your body is doing that day sometimes. And if you push it too far, it sets you back way further than if you just go a little bit slower and and ride the wave a little bit and and push it when you can. But if you try to you know, come back from surgery immediately, you're going to hurt yourself even worse. Um, And I think with healing, it's the same. Like there there are days, there are things that get brought up. And I think with something like this, I mean, my gosh, sometimes something as simple as turning on the TV, like a show comes on, you realize you're crying because something just hits you and you don't even know what it is. Um, And I think this time period, especially has been one where it's, it's highlighted a lot. There have been some really, really raw emotions and I'll find myself, listening to something or, or I hear something that it's not even a major thing and something about it just hits me in a way where it's like, ah, like that, that got me to the core. And, and part of the healing is realizing why, and okay, what, what did that just trigger in me? What's maybe, what's a little raw? Um, You know, what, what do I still have to heal? Because it's true. It's, it's a journey. And I, (laughs) as much as I want to, I wish I could wave my magic wand and be, you know, heal tomorrow and ready to just, you know, live carefree. I think, you know, it is, it's being kind to yourself. It's loving yourself. The self-love that we didn't learn because we didn't love ourselves. We weren't even taught that we were lovable. I mean, I I felt, I literally felt unlovable. Like what, what person would ever want to be with you is truly, I mean, that was, you know, my father's self, but that's what I, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's how um, that's how you're made to feel, and it's a general thing that happens in all this kind of abuse yeah. that we've dealt with. I was thinking about the, and I we should wrap it up, but I was thinking about the, um, the, uh, the journey of the wounded healer too, and how somehow that it's through the wounding that you learn to really be the healer or because is through experiencing it that you really learn what healing is really about you know because you have to make those tough choices and Mm -hmm. and not everybody's able to make those tough choices and, Mm and 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 it's all for you like for it's for yourself it's for your own sanity it's for your own you know uh groundedness it's for your your own spirit it's for your own confidence and all of those things are what comes from you stepping into your power and what happens is when you step into your power power is a thing that threatens power especially someone that like thrives on being on top or you know powerful, having power over someone else, when you take that power away, when you reclaim that power that they took from you, I mean, all hell's going to break loose. And that's exactly how it plays out. And there's really no other way to, there's no way to sugarcoat this kind of situation. So like, as you know, the last kind of words I would say to somebody is like, you definitely have to like ask yourself, um, what are you, how, how far are you willing to go to heal yourself? Like how much it's basically the question is, do you, do do you want to like really learn what it's really like to love yourself? How far are you, are you willing to go to like heal this? And that's a difficult question because a lot of times with this kind of abuse, it does mean you have to walk away. Right. Are you willing to lose everything to and willing gain to lose? You have to be willing everything. to lose everything to yeah. gain everything. Because yeah. really that, you know, to me, happiness and my own sanity and my emotional well being are like they're so important because I have to feel like I have a purpose too. I have to feel like I'm doing something for the world and that's my own way. And I can't do it when all of that is going on and when my energy is being drained and all of that. So and yeah, so like this whole, you know, this whole sharing of this, um, our experiences, I hope that it it has given, you know, uh, you guys as the listeners an an opportunity to kind of dive into our world and maybe see some things that were similar to you. And I'm sure maybe in the future, we may have further conversations about it. We'll see. Um, But yeah, if there's like one last thing that you'd like to say to everybody.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think don't, don't be so afraid to be selfish, I think, on some level that you allow yourself to be hurt and and really listen to your gut. I think if I had one thing to tell myself back then, it's if something is telling you it's not right or you you feel hurt, you feel like something's off, listen to that. You're right. If you're and it's, it's you know, it's how abuse victims get into abusive relationships later is they don't listen to that. They're not conditioned to be selfish because usually if you're if you're thinking along those lines that you might be being selfish, you probably, you probably actually aren't. You probably just, um, you know, it's, it's, it's what you need to ultimately survive. Um, and, and to remember like we all have something to give to the world. And if we're allowing someone else to take away our joy and our happiness and our, our peace, I think peace is what that really strips you of. And there's so many days I'm I'm grateful right. for that. Yeah if you're allowing someone to take that away from you, then you're not doing what you're meant to do in this world. And everybody is here for a very specific reason and, and to, to add their gift to the world. And I truly believe that. So don't let anyone dim your light to the point that you can't shine in the world because mm-hmm. you deserve. everybody that. deserves that. Yeah. Even the narcissists deserve to heal. Every, yes. Be, yes. Be happy.
0: The truth is too, that everybody has to do their own healing. Yes. You, you can't, can't fix you can't anybody. You can't that will get you in trouble. Heal. And <laughs> well, there is something to say about how when you walk away, you walk into the world without really knowing who you are. And that can be really scary. Like I tell you that from experience, it is scary to feel like that, that there's that void yeah and that you chose to walk away from that. And so now it's like you have to really find yourself and learn to trust yourself and your own instincts and learn that you can make your own decisions and that that you're going to be okay. And I think that's what has gotten me through and what is teaching me my own strength is to actually be out there in the world on my own without the influence of this or that. Um, and then fully, fully, really rediscovering who I am, which is, I mean, I'm, If people that have been watching me for for a while now have have probably seen like, wow, Jai has really like flourished, you know, she has just like really stepped into her power, and it is because I've made that decision, honestly, like if I'm fully honest, I'm like, that's the reason why, because I chose me.
1: You decide how you want to live, whether it's, a dimmed version of yourself or the full version right. why not be all you if you're gonna be out there right. part of the way that's why sometimes it's the first step like just mm-hmm. doing it
0: mm-hmm. teaches
1: you you can and it makes it easier every time and
0: yeah
1: yeah I, I think it 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 but it it's not without guts
0: yep, <laughs> yep. Without them, you know <laughs> for sure not
1: every, but nobody can t- there's no right way to live life and I think that's another thing that holds that's people good back is like, yeah you know there don't let anybody else tell you how you're supposed to live your journey is different from everybody's including everybody in your family including your friends including your spouse like that it's for you and that's why getting in touch with yourself is what can tell you that but comparing yourself to people in a good way or bad ways is not helpful
0: that's also a really good point yeah Well, thank you so much for um, being here on the podcast and um, for reaching out to me. Um, And we hope that you guys, as listeners, enjoy this conversation. And we will um, see you again soon on the next episode. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Channel for Grace Uncut podcast. If you loved this episode and this podcast, make sure that you subscribe and leave a review. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube as Channel for Grace, and you can discover a world of amazing offerings on my website. If you wanna learn astrology, if you wanna learn what it means to discover your inner sacred feminine, if you're curious about the current astrology and how it's affecting you, if you want private readings of astrology and tarot, Or if you're looking for awesome jewelry designs and zodiac themes jewelry, then please check out my website, channelforgrace.guru. I will see you soon on my next episode.